Hello all, and welcome to the latest episode of the Horror Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Nelly, and with me tonight is a returning favorite of mine. I have Kevin Nicholson. Hey, what's up, Don? <laughs> ah, doing good, man. I'm really looking forward to this based on um, our, our last conversation, which I was uh, incredibly stoked about. And uh, based on your responses for what we're signing up to do tonight, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, even more fun to come in store. Although I, we, I think we do have to clarify that your the title of your show, at least as far as the Zoom meeting, is NRA Films uh, yeah, you know, of the it, 70s. We're not talking. We're not talking Charlton Heston. I've got a gun, kind of. Uh, right. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. All <laughs> yeah, right. we're not talking about that. Um, that was a yeah, space constraint. I had to. I, <laughs> I, I had to. Figure, I had to configure that. Unfortunately, it's completely funny. It's completely. Yeah. funny. Completely fun. All right. But uh, yeah, um, if the initials uh, didn't give it away, and uh, the uh, poster art for the show didn't uh, also give it away, we are going to be looking at nature run amok movies of the 1970s. Which, uh, right. like I said, based on your enthusiasm when we came up sure. with this, I'm really looking sure. forward to this. I am absolutely. And I'll tell you, it's hard. Basically, Nature Runs Amok as a formula has been going since film began. Uh, you know, you see, I mean, you can you could conceivably say that King Kong is a nature gone amok, uh, uh, you know, uh, filmed only it's about a giant ape uh and and the nature gone amok as continues to today so constraining it to the 70s is the wisest idea <laughs> yeah um also like i said I, I think this was probably the peak of the genre where um I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll uh, come to that later on but um right, I, I can right. think of if we were to do an overarching um category uh, genre countdown i i would imagine 70 to 80 percent of it would come from uh, the 70s up until the early 80s when uh, it started turning into the slashers like the big go-to uh right, genre right. fair but uh, yeah the the heyday for this is most definitely the 70s so I, sure. I figured looking at the um decade as a whole would be uh fruitful with uh your enthusiasm only sure. solidifying my uh my uh, my idea i guess <laughs> i have some weird some weird choices and definitely ones that we'll be able to talk about um but uh you know let's go right ahead uh, indeed yes yeah. so uh let's start off uh with uh number 10 for me uh uh, this is probably, I would say, a controversial pick just because I would imagine others would have it a little higher. But um, I, I have my reasoning for this. Uh, number 10 is, ironically, Day of the Animals, um, the William Girdler classic. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine that, like I said, this would probably be a little bit higher on some people's lists. But on mine. Me, on mine, yeah. Yeah, uh, like I figured this would. Too. Yeah. <laughs> for me, I, I, I find it pretty... Um, for, I, I find it far more concerned with the interactions of the camp troop um, on their expedition and, uh, you know, the alpha male who's in charge, uh, you know, Christopher George, Leslie Nielsen dynamic rather than the animal attacks. Even though the animal attacks are, are brilliant, I, I love the way that they come up with um, some of the scenes here, including, you well, know. With the, mean, except, with the exception of Michael Ansara's wrestling with an obvious toy tiger. Oh, yeah, that was. Uh, it, that was a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean the uh, you know the dog attack and the uh, abandoned camp. The uh, right, right. you know that scene there is fantastic. 
the um, bird attacks, um, you know, ranging from just the singular um, hawk to the vulture attack on the, you know, camper right. hiking back. Um, I, I think they're fantastic and they're laid out incredibly well. But yeah, I, I find the human dynamic between uh, George and Nielsen a little bit too overbearing on the creature action. So it kind of bumps it down compared to some of the other choices on my list. But uh, number 10 for me is, uh, you know, it's still fun. It's still worthwhile. And, I, you know, right. how can you not love Leslie, Bill, Leslie Nielsen charging a bear shirtless and challenging, him, <laughs> to, <laughs> challenging <laughs> him to a wrestling match? No. I mean, it's definitely, it, and I'll talk about it. It's definitely yeah. in the fun aspect uh, for me, but I'm glad that you at least put it in the top 10. Exactly. In the, I mean, in, it's in the 10. Exactly. I, it's still worth a watch and there's still a lot to enjoy with it. Just, I, I found compared to some of the other choices where they focused a little bit more on the creatures, I found this one just a little unfair, unproperly balanced uh, to use a term. Um, but uh, that was uh, the only justification for lowering it. But uh, like I said, still worth your while. Number 10 is still. Uh, enjoyable enough. So uh, we'll move on to uh, your list. My number 10 is going to be an unusual one. I uh, This is, to me, I consider this an animal amok because it does, it heavily involves an animal, even though there's a supernatural element to it, is uh, Zoltan Hound of Dracula, a.k.a. Dracula's Dog. And uh, most of the film, yeah, there was Dracula in the title, and he's in the opening couple of minutes uh, of the of the film. But most of the uh, uh, action takes place at a modern day uh, campground, where a uh, descendant of the Dracula line, a human uh, named Michael Drake, is targeted by dracula's dog and his undead manservant to try to uh you know continue procreating the line uh what uh, why it's at number 10 for me uh is that there's obvious there's a lot of cheesiness to this uh but there's also a lot of a fair amount of effective uh, horror, uh, you know, to it. Uh, Albert Band uh, you know, of the, the the father of Charles Band and uh, uh, was king at doing this, at taking a, a minimal budget and uh, and making the most out of it. He does that here with some very effective nighttime shock attack scenes and uh, uh, and so forth, which um, uh, involve. Uh, the the drake family on on vacation there's some really good there's a good cabin uh attack sequence uh and so forth and i like the cast in this michael pataki a b-movie veteran jan shutan from star trek and other uh, things jose ferrer showing up as a van helsing type and uh you know which uh even you even get to see arlene martell in uh, a few sequences uh, from uh, Star Trek, Reggie Nalder, who would go on to uh, uh, fame with Salem's Lot uh, as Mr. Barlow. I, I I don't think this is a great one, uh, but I really have fun with it, and I return to it from time to time. Uh, this, to me, is a small-budget film that still manages to work and it still manages to entertain. 
That's I, number 10. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's an honorable mention. Um, yeah. it, it, it's up there. Um, I, I, I just found that, like you said, the cheesiness kind of wears against it at points. Sure. And yeah, um, I, I, I mean, you know, that cast should not have been in a movie this bad, but yet it still works, I think, because of them. And I think mm -hmm. that kind of uh, that adds a little bit more of a superiority, you know, sure. a, a superior air to the film that it doesn't really deserve because sure. yeah, some of the scenes are cheesy as hell. But yeah. Um, yeah. But there's some that, that are effectively kind of creepy. Kind of there's some scenes yeah, that just kind of uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It's been a while, so yeah. Right, um, right. I mean, I mean that's good enough. But uh, mm -hmm. well, uh, speaking of cheesy, um, we'll mm -hmm. move on to my number nine. Um, kind of hard to leave off this one for one of these kinds of lists. Um, I went with Night of the Lepus. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I mean it's kind of hard to top the cheesy, the cheese yeah. in this one, but oh, sure, sure, sure. I, I don't know. I, I I find the film just overall fun, and the whole idea is just ludicrous and bizarre and bonkers. Uh, you know, in the way that it just makes it seem they made this in the seventies. I thought this would have been like in the eighties, where coke was rampant and everybody just let anything slide, but. <laughs> I just remember dialogue. I think it was a DeForest Kelly saying, you know, them damn rabbits are killing my cattle. Uh, you know, that, yeah. uh, that, that's a little, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. I'm not sure. I wouldn't put, I didn't put it in my, in my 10, uh, but uh, it, it, it's not without fun. Yeah. Um, for me, that, that for me, I, I, like I said, I, I go for fun. And that was one of the, the big reasons why I, I, I actually do kind of like this a little bit more. It, you know, the, the attacks are just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, you know, switching between uh, rear screen projection and men in yeah. bunny suits kind of, sure. It, it, you know, like I said, it adds that cheesy factor to it, but uh, they're, they're pretty frequent throughout the film. There's It's not really dull. Like I find no. uh, Day of the Animals, you know, it it zips along pretty, um, pretty quickly. Um, you know, again, it's got a great cast to it. You've got, you know, DeForest Kelly, you've got um, Rory Stuart Calhoun, Whitman. Stuart, Stuart Whitman, Stuart mm -hmm. Whitman, uh, you yeah. know, Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Uh, I was trying. I was struggling on the last name for some reason. But yeah. Um. You know. Again, great cast. Elevates kind of cheesy material, but yeah. Uh, like I said, it's goofy in the right ways. It's cheesy as hell, but uh, it's still a lot of fun. So number nine for me is Night of the Lepus. Now that's uh, that's another. That's a uh, Bill Claxton uh, directed um, film. And Claxton was a guy who had done, you mentioned something about uh, the, the uh, entertainment quotient uh, you know, of this uh, kind of fast pace uh, that the film has. He was a guy that did um, a lot of uh, a lot of fast paced stuff, uh, as I'm uh, as I'm attempting to recall, uh, did a lot of television uh in uh in the 50s and 60s and so forth and he he did a lot of westerns too uh stage the thunder rock and then among other things so he he was known for his uh for his um uh, efficient clip when it comes to uh when it comes to editing well yeah um anyway. I, you can definitely tell but uh yeah number nine for me is night of the lepus now number nine for me is another unusual one nightwing uh which uh kind of it kind of does something that wasn't that's not done too often which is tells the uh uh tells the tale of a swarm of killer bats uh and 
I like this uh, this film not just for uh, the, uh, the the you know the cast that's in it, uh, which is David Warner, Nick Mancuso, uh, starring uh, you know starring in it, but uh, and uh, I think Catherine Harold. Uh, it's also it's got some excellent effects regarding uh, uh, regarding the bats themselves. And to me, it's got that kind of interesting, uh, you know, story. Mancuso is the uh, is the Native American who uh, uh, assists vampire uh, bat expert uh, David Warner in trying to warn everybody that there is this uh, this swarm of bats that are on the uh, a plague of bats that are on the uh, on the loose colony of vampire bats. I like the locations in New Mexico. Um, it, it, it's it, it kind of gets a little weird in the end when you when you find out that there's a supernatural force that's going through uh, the bats. But to me, that just adds to the uh, to the loony fun, uh, you know, of this uh, you know of this film. And I really uh, like it. Some good locations being used. Um, for the New Mexico desert and it works for me. It, it, it just, uh, that's my number nine. Nice. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, I do remember liking it. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I, I don't have the greatest memory because like I said, it's been a while, but uh-huh. yeah, I, I do remember a lot of the, you know, the underground scenes are pretty, uh, you know, they're pretty uh, chilling and atmospheric and right, right, right. the overall, uh, the overall storyline did keep my interest. So I, I, I'd love to recheck that out at some point because, yeah, I, I I know I've seen it and I know what you're talking about and it's been a while, so I'm I'm not completely um it's right. not like completely like clear in my mind. So I I definitely want to uh, revisit that based on uh, this. So. Well, they were actually able to take it out to uh, to locations, as I said, a variety of locations in New Mexico and um, Nevada's Valley of Fire. Uh, is used prominently several locations in Nevada. So there's a sense of realism uh, there that kind of helps cloak the fact that you're dealing with a, with a silly story in, in, in regarding uh, uh, regarding vampire bats. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on to uh, number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another one that um, I, I feel could probably be a little bit higher, but um, is another one that kind of... Uh, just fell just uh, a little bit down on my list. I went with uh, 1972's Frogs, and this is uh, one of uh, the. This is actually one of the first ones that I ever saw in this particular subgenre. I remember watching this one pretty early on, and I've caught it a few times. And I, I you know, I, I do like a lot of what goes on here. I, I like the, you know, it literally feels like late run amok because it just feels like they're completely random. All of these things are just happening at this house and there's no explanation for what's going on. I mean, they do allude to, you know, a few little bits and pieces here and there, but it literally feels like it's just, you know, these things attacking for no reason. It's like, right. you know, they're, they're stuck at the house and they can't, you know, they can't reason with them. They can't overcome them, but they have to, you know, find their way out of there. And I, I always remember really liking it. And I, it was one like, you know, like I said, one of the first ones that I saw years ago. And, you know, right. it was kind of like one of the ones that got me into it. And it, it still holds up pretty well to this day. It, 
maybe a little sluggish at points with the uh, you know the family dynamic. Uh, you know, you've got the the, the guy returning to his you know the, the the family home, and there's all you know family drama about why he's been away for so long, and sure. um, you know some of that kind of feels a little static and you know kind of slows the pace down. But it once it picks up, this film is really fun and it's really enjoyable. And I like I said, I would want to put this a little bit higher. I feel like most would probably put it higher. But it just it falls slightly back a little for me. But uh, well, so- actually, it, 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 I actually thought about that at number ten. So it actually, I bumped it. So it actually oh. is out of the top, uh, out of the top ten for me. Hmm. I think it's kind of fun. I I like the uh, the 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 mix or the contrasting style of the uh, rather florid acting of Ray Milland uh, versus the stoic rather wooden uh sam elliott uh you know uh, yeah you know, he, he, at, it doesn't yeah he, he does yeah. kind of come off like that instead of like that usual right he, you know right. he usually has like a l- much livelier presence even if he's just sure. standing in the background but yeah sure. um, i saying that i, I do know he's a little stuff he's a little Ex- stuff yeah now is this isn't this that the one um it's been a while since i've seen it. that's the one with uh with uh joan van ark yeah, I think she's one is, of yeah, yeah she's yeah. one of the family members. Yeah, yeah, a little bit far cry from uh, uh, from Knots Landing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little, <laughs> kind of a hop, skip, and the jump away, but uh, <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit, but but it's fun. Yeah, um, number eight for me goes into this really kind of sub sub nature amok uh, category which they were kind of like a two-year period where they were talking about um, killer dogs, rabid dogs. This is one called The Pack. And this is with uh, directed by the wonderful director, same director as Enter the Dragon, Robert Klaus. Um, and this is with Joe Don Baker and Hope Alexander Willis, R.G. Armstrong, Basically, it tells the story of a vacationing family uh, at a location called Seal Island who are terrorized by a pack of dogs that are, uh, well, they're kind of remnants of, dis- they were discarded pets, vacationers who abandoned their dog, packed up and left, and oh, where's Rover? He's not here, and and, and, and they've, uh, and they, you know, basically leave them there and these dogs become feral and so uh that's what this you know this movie is about this is another one that uses locations pretty well uh it has a nice pace to it robert klaus knows how to direct an action scene i think joe don baker is a uh uh was a rather underrated leading man uh he can play the tough guy and he can even enliven uh you know the uh uh, a fairly silly plot um but uh so this is one this is the pack from 1977 i will talk about that in due time that sure. is on my list as well <laughs> i i had forgotten that it's filmed in bodega bay uh california which is uh actually not too far from where about two hours or so from where i live so that was uh that's that's quite interesting Nice. But All right. On to number number number, number seven. seven. 
Yeah, my number seven. Uh, so this would probably be like where I would figure a lot of the more popular choices uh, will start coming in. Um, I mean, with one obvious exception, but um, I mean, we'll we'll deal yeah. with that when we come to yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, my number seven is uh, Prophecy, the monster movie. The uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the uh, killer bear uh, de mutation deformity, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, I, I have a lot of fun with this. Um, I, again, it's kind of one of those where it, it feels a little bit static at points. Uh, you know, far more of the first half is devoted to uh, the investigation into the strange goings on in the woods. And, you know, why is our, you know, everybody all up in arms? And then, oh, all of a sudden it's going to lead into, the, you know, the discovery of this toxic waste dump. And then that leads into the creature running amok. So sure. it kind of takes a while to get to the monster action. But the monster action when it happens is fantastic. I, 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 I put a lot of uh, weight on how good the creature action is here, and it, when it happens, it is fantastic. Uh, you get a couple of spectacular deaths. You get one absolutely amazing sequence where the creature attacks a campground and just rips the people to shreds, including one of uh, I, I think it's like one of the first gifable uh, sequences in uh, the genre where um, sure. an unfortunate uh, sleeping bag victim meets a uh, rocky ending, but. Yeah, the, right. this is really fun, and uh, you know, like I said, it, it does kind of take a while to get there, but when it sure. when it happens, uh, the, the creature action in here is fantastic. And no, I, yeah, no, 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 uh, I I agree. I don't quite put this in the top ten for me. Um, I like the preamble more leading up, uh, you know, to it because there's some interesting characters, the Robert Foxworth. Uh, in a character especially there's an interesting theme about toxic waste the problem with me is is that when it gets to the rebel the reveal of the grizzly bear it looks the to me the makeup on the bear is so cheap it looks to me like it's jelly all over the creature's face mm. and i am i'm kind of like really and so that was kind of a letdown, but I enjoyed it uh, leading up to that uh, part. And as you said, there were some good, uh, some good uh, kills. And I can see why a lot of people would put that in their top 10. Hmm. See, I, I, I get where you're coming from, but I, I felt it was more of an accurate portrayal of like the, the toxic waste deformity. Like, you know, it, it looked like this wasn't a creature that was mutated um, recently. It looked like this was something that had, been born with this and it survived and was able to use the mutation to its advantage um yeah, yeah. but I, I i i can see where you're coming from i i just i i didn't sure. go there but um yeah sure. I, I completely understand so uh yeah no. I, I mean for me yeah number eight is or number seven is prophecy now number seven for me i'm going to return back to um that uh dog formula and it's actually a movie called dogs with uh it, with uh, another one dogs are attacking a uh, um california community and it's uh this time the uh the cast is david mccallum and um and linda gray for those of you who may remember uh, may remember her from uh sue ellen from dallas uh and dogs to me has some really effective kills uh you know in it i 
I actually um, really got a little bit unnerved in some of the uh, uh, some of the sequences directed by Burt Brinkerhoff, and I got uh, there's a little bit there's some very well crafted uh, you know scenes, um, especially some up close you know kind of kills and uh, and so forth. I think that. Uh, David McCollum grits his teeth appropriately as the uh, uh, as the you know the so-called canine expert, uh, and uh, uh, Linda Gray is not given a lot to uh, you know to do other than to uh, uh, to look beautiful, very beautiful actress, uh, but uh, you know she reacts with appropriate terror in uh, uh, some of the scenes. There's, there's some fun uh, dialogue from O'Brien Tomalin. I I I like it. Uh, dogs. Yeah, that one made my honorable mentions as well. So sure. we're two for two. So we've knocked two of them off. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I I'm the king of honorable mentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know you. I, you've taken. Uh, I give a couple of yours, but uh, yeah, it, sure. I, I, I I I just found that um, like what you were saying. It, it just feels like she's wasted in this and. It, it doesn't really uh, I mean I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it now uh, my number six is uh, the pack and uh, sure. I, okay. I, I find the pack just does it a little bit better um, it, it's not necessarily that I think both are bad I just think that the pack does it does that formula just a little bit better and it kind of sours my taste on dogs just a touch and then combined with uh, the fact that uh, you know she just feels wasted, it just kind of sours me on that film. But um, well, I, me, I like the interesting thing when you're talking about uh, the connection with the school physics laboratory, uh, uh, you know, as the reason for the behavior of the dogs. Uh, and yeah, I, I will uh, agree. I, so I, I do I like think, that. I, I do think dogs gives a better motivation for what's going on and better explanation for it. I, I do agree with that. I, I think that's sure. a little bit better, but mm -hmm. yeah, for me, I, I just find uh dogs uh, find the pack does it a little bit better. So I, I have that one on my list and uh, oh, I have, that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dogs is honorable mention, but uh, yeah, that's um, my number seven, my number six, I should say. So uh, you want to elaborate a little further on your number six, or you? Um, yeah, um, I mean, like like good. I said, uh, pack is a, a lot of fun. Um, I, I love the idea that it's not just the one breed, but they bring the entire set, uh, pack of dogs together, and they all—it uh -huh. it literally feels like it's just you know the randomness nature of all of them coming together and attacking. And uh, you know, we'll we'll come to find out later on in some of in some of the other choices that I kind of weighed that a little bit more than some of the other factors here. Well, but, I like and I like the fact too that you're um, that the 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 theme of how the dogs or the the plot idea of how the dogs came to be you know feral is simple. Right. Uh, yeah. That these were discarded pets. These are pets that were reduced to foraging for food and. Uh, reducing to their base instincts and their base instincts are to uh, are to almost that of the wolf which is to uh, uh, which is to you to uh, pack together and attack their prey and so and unfortunately it just happens to be a human family that becomes the target right uh, yeah. you know of it and I, I just I like Joe Don Baker I think he has an energy about him and he uh, he enlivens like I said before even the silliest of material enough time to do number six for me yeah. which is kingdom of the spiders 
And I think that this is really a gem of a film. Uh, and the reason I'm putting it at number six is because from this point on, I think it gets a little top heavy because uh, there's some really good stuff, uh, you know, going through uh, down to number one. Uh, Kingdom of the Spiders is just got William Shatner in one of his much better uh, movie roles. Uh, he's actually, you know, he's, he's actually kind of divesting himself of Captain Kirk. Uh, and he plays a, a town veterinarian who is, uh, you know, discovering that there are sp uh, tarantulas, a variety of spiders, really, that are mutating and are basically on the attack in this small, um, you know, the small southwestern town. And to me, it's got some really creepy kills. Uh, the kill of the guy, of the pilot, uh, the uh, the crop dusting pilot, the airplane. Uh, some of the uh, the attack, uh, the you know, the climax, the final attack on the townspeople and so forth, where you see literally swarms of tarantulas and spiders and things. Uh, and then, of course, that final incredible sequence uh, that you uh, that you see with the town webbed over. Um, it, it is John Cardos in, in, in a very effective directorial effort. He manages to get a lot of creepy effect. I could have done with, without some of the Spider-Man uh, animated series music that they use in little bits. But uh, overall, I thought this was a terrific uh, film. You got Woody Strode uh, in support. You've got Altavis Davis, Tiffany Bowling, and Shatner. Kingdom of the Spiders. Excellent film. And I will talk about that at a later time. Sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so we'll move on to uh, my okay. number five. Sure. Uh, so I, I kind of grouped, um, like you said, this was all kind of top heavy. And uh, again, this is another one that it may feel a little cheesy. It may feel really, uh, a little bit un you know, unorthodox. But I, I have so much fun with this one, and uh, sure. it's hard for me to leave it off the list. Uh, my number five is Orca. Orca. Okay. Yeah. Excellent film. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, it may be a little cheesy uh, for some, especially with the, the, you know, the infamous abortion sequence. But when you look past that, I, I really like what goes on here. I, I, I like a lot of the interactions between, uh, you know, the crew and all of the, you know, the bonding stuff that goes on there, you know, again. Sure. Uh, you know, some of that is, you know, due to the cast. I mean, you know, you've got Richard Harris, you've got... What's not the like with him? Oh, you know. yeah. Uh, I mean, Anytime got... he's not stewed. Anytime he's not stewed is, uh, is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've got Richard Harris, you've got Charlotte yeah. Rampling, uh, sure. you know, you've got Bo Derek in a cameo, um, essentially. Sure. And, you know, uh, it, there's a lot of fun here. I mean, the, uh -huh. the, the fact that they kind of take the idea of the orca actually having a mind and targeting everything and making it personal and a vendetta i think is a great twist i love the finale this you know adventurous i'm gonna take you on i'm gonna meet you man to man one-on-one -on -one, and we're gonna settle this i i love the idea of that and sure. yeah, yeah um i mean like i said it, it's just a fun time it's a little goofy a little silly but it works for me and uh number seven for me, number five for me is orca Wow, that's no, that's an interesting one that that doesn't quite make my top ten, but I um, I do I do uh, go back to that film from time to time. 
uh it is a very enjoyable film i just about uh, i'm a huge uh, richard harris fan and will watch just about any of his films but uh i go back my number five goes back once again to william girdler grizzly another giant uh bear on the attack in the northwest and uh you've got christopher george gritting his teeth properly as a uh uh, uh as the hero you've got richard jekyll as the uh, uh as the kind of the uh the, the expert on grizzly bears and so forth and you got some truly effective you got andrew prine another b-movie veteran you've got some truly effective horror sequences uh you know there and i actually believe in this instance um the uh the creature effects are well done uh this and I know that they use uh, they they basically with film with either you never see, you don't really see the full creature until the end of the uh, uh, near the end of the film you you see like the legs you'll see the up uh, you know the arm upper parts and so forth you'll see a part of it but you don't see the whole thing this eighteen foot tall beast. Uh, the costume that they have for uh, the sun actors using that is effective. I actually did did think uh, several times that this was, I went beyond thinking this was just a man in a suit. And I uh, I really enjoyed it. I think that William Girdler effectively shoots scenes at night uh, with some, uh, with a lot of creepy tension to it. Um it's uh as they say 18 feet of towering fury they called it uh but christopher george richard jekyll and andrew prine in grizzly nice i will talk about that in due time (laughs) all right so uh yeah my number four has already been mentioned um so uh my number four is grizzly um Uh yeah uh so, I mean, what you said is uh, entirely accurate. Uh, I, I mean, the cast in this is fantastic. I absolutely love the the creature attacks in here. Um, mm. they, they, they just come off so brilliantly. Uh, they use the forest incredibly well. They keep the creature hidden. Uh, you know, he'd never, you'd never see the full creature, um, you know, at all until you see like the long shots of him running through the forest from the helicopter or, you right. know, the, the other stuff. Right. So it, it just, it, it adds that mystique to him. And it kind of just helps fill in the blanks from all of the, the stuff that was being talked about. But uh, it, right. yeah, it, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, it, you know, your number um, five, my number four. <laughs> well, isn't, and isn't Christopher George just like perfect as that lockjawed hero? Oh, uh, it, it is amazing. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he just, if you ever needed one in the 70s for a B movie, especially, you hire Christopher George and you just basically had it covered. Oh, uh, damn so yeah. I, <laughs> I, I agree with that. Now, my number four is it goes kind of a little bit different uh, vein. This is from 1972, and it basically, uh, the animal that's used is basically a tool for a psychopath. Um, this is I'm talking about Stanley, uh, which has basically a uh, uh, a Vietnam veteran has uh, gone off his nut, so to speak, 
and he begins to kill uh it's kind of like willard but with a snake um this uh uh this uh this character played by chris robinson has this pet rattlesnake that he lives with he's a guy a loner in a cabin in the hills and he uses stanley to get revenge uh stanley and his friends to get revenge on anybody that's wronged uh the robinson character uh at all ever and there's some truly gruesome sequences such as the attack on the uh, uh there's an attack on a guy that's actually falling into quicksand uh, and he is uh, reaching for any kind of log or a piece of wood to, you know, to get him uh, get himself out. And the, uh, the Robinson's character just takes Stanley very calmly and casually and, set, and goes down to the ground and says, Stanley, bite his hand. And there's, so there's really unnerving sequences like that. There's a sequence where one of the characters, played by Alex Rocco, um is ends up doing a dive into a pool filled with snakes and so there's some really creepy but i i like this film almost as much as a psych as a as a portrait of ptsd psychopath uh, uh mental disorder vietnam war kind of thing as much as i do uh you know the uh the snake attacks and uh and so forth stanley as directed by one of my favorite directors of the 70s william griffay uh who did other films like uh like impulse uh among others for you shatner fans out there you know who that is uh what that one is so um and uh it's location filming in the florida everglades is just uh, uh it's just terrific it really works it's kind of a classic film uh, yeah um i uh, it's another one kind of like um what you were saying earlier i i've seen it once but i don't have a, a lot of um recollection and a lot of clarity sure. on it sure um i i, I mean yeah I, I like the the central concept of you know the the trainer taking him on and you know having him be like an enforcer kind of a role sure it, you know like i said it's a, a unique twist on it and it kind of adds a little uh a different tone kind of sure similar to sure. willard actually um uh -huh. Uh -huh. but yeah um I, I i do like i do remember liking stanley a little bit more but I, i'm not sure familiar enough with them to really go beyond that but um, sure sure so uh number three for me is uh one we've already mentioned again we have kingdom of the spiders um <laughs> it's, yeah it, it's just a lot of fun it's just it, it really and is creepy yeah. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's not one that I would really think of that has a fun tone to it, but it really is. And I mean, like you said, it mixes the, the suspense and the creepiness well with the, you know, the, the cheesy tone. And yeah, it just it zips along it. You know, the, the attacks are really, really unnerving. Um, well, and then, how about that? What do you think of that sequence where um, where the. Uh... Well, I don't. They're. I'm not sure. They're down in the, the basement of that cabin, and uh, the light breaks, and then oh, a few yeah. moments later, all the uh, you know the spiders all jump on Shatner's uh, back, uh, and and so forth. To me, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, I was like, you know, thinking, oh, get them off, get them off, get them off. <laughs> I, I was yeah. I was unnerved by it uh, a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you said, uh, there's a lot of unnerving qualities to this one, and I mean, what a finale! Uh, I, I mean, yeah. just uh, one of the the best gut punches in the genre. So. Sure, sure. Sure. Yeah, um, I, I mean it's just it's hard to top this one, um, but yeah. I've got two others that do. So <laughs> <laughs> I do, uh, you know. I uh, I'll tell you what, my next one is going to be going back to one that you've already brought up, which is number three for me is Day of the Animals. Uh, <laughs> to me, that is uh, I like the dichotomy of the the two alpha male types, as I call them, the alpha wannabe which is Leslie Nielsen uh, as the bigot and the uh, misogynistic, uh, you know, womanizer and, 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 and the, uh, the guy who's a loudmouth versus the alpha male who actually is one, the quiet, no nonsense, uh, you know, type of Christopher George. And of course, who does everybody who wants to survive gravitate towards? It's Christopher George. He's going to get them out there, you know, uh, safely. Leslie Nielsen is going to get you, you know, death by grizzly bear. But uh, I kind of like that dichotomy. I think Nielsen uh, plays it way over the top, but just right for that kind of role. I, I think the, you know, the, the cast is a lot of fun. Michael and Sarah is, uh, uh, is there usually as uh, just you know, somebody who's like a native expert or, you know, some kind of expert on animals or native americans or something like that uh and he's a lot of fun andrew stevens shows up richard jekyll the gorgeous linda day george uh, uh of course has to uh, has to play a role the location filming uh i'm not sure where they uh uh where they filmed it but i do know it was entirely on location and it really works um it's probably it's probably uh the best of the b movie nature runs amok with the bigger than uh you know with the b star cast uh you know where of this uh, of this type of film all this is about is about animals attacking you don't know why you think it's about the ozone layer but you're not sure why and you don't really care you just you want to see more attacks and you want to see chris george save the day yeah, yeah I, I I agree. I, I I do like a lot of where it goes, and I, I said earlier I, I do find that the 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 interactions are entertaining, and you don't really notice it. But I, I just found that it kind of lacks a little on the creature quality just because sure. of it. But um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, other than that, yeah, I have no problems with people putting it higher. So, and it's usually the interaction between Leslie Nielsen and everybody else uh which is kind of interesting whether it's nielsen and andrew stevens nielsen and ruth roman or nielsen and christopher george uh you like the, the conflicting interactions going on between that group but yeah i see your uh i, I see your point i i just i guess i just like it a little bit more than that mm, all right yeah. all right so, number two uh... Yeah, number two. Um, I mean, these were kind of set in stone and just locked away as soon as uh, we settled on this. And it was kind of, uh, ne if not impossible, uh, next to impossible to budge these last two. But sure. uh, number two for me is Piranha. Uh, I, it's just, you know, such a well-made film uh, for this type of a genre. So many fun attack sequences, uh, you know, for something that is such a restrictive environment where you have the animals restricted to the water 
and right. kind of like what it does with Orca, where you, you have to have them in the water to make it work. This makes it work, and it's fun, it's fast. There's uh, some great characterizations at play here. The you know the humans intervene in the in the matter just enough, and uh, for me, slimy Dick Miller, oh such a delight. <laughs> well, there's a whole lot of actors in this that could take acting, uh, you know, kudos uh, for this film. Bradford Dillman uh, yeah. as the uh, as the hero who has the funniest, most innocuous line in the in the film when he's on uh, in a in his car he's racing through at one particular uh you know sequence and uh there's a lot of traffic in, in front of him and he goes god damn sunday drivers <laughs> we're still yeah. anyway but it still gets me but uh kevin mccarthy heather menzies uh you have the tight pace of uh direction by joe dante uh in his first uh feature film uh yeah i uh it's not my number two, but I uh, I I can see why you put it there. All right. It really it really is a lot of fun. My number two goes back to well, nineteen seventy one. It kind of was the one that kind of started it. Willard, uh, Daniel Mann, uh's direction, everything from his direction to. Um, yeah, to Bruce Davison's performance as the uh, uh, as the uh, well dangerously psychotic, you know, highly neurotic uh, Willard uh, is is just almost dead on perfect uh, in this uh, in this film. The rats, the you know, the kill scene of Ernest Borgnine's. Uh, uh, lecherous boss, uh, you know, character still unnerves me. Uh, Elsa Lanchester as uh, uh, as uh, as Willard's bedridden mother, uh, you know, perf just perfect casting. Um, to me, this is a film that still has me looking sideways at rats to this day. Uh, it's uh, it, a marvelous, uh, you know, chiller, and it's. Uh, it richly just last year had its 50th anniversary and uh received a new blu-ray release and uh and uh, so forth and i got to meet bruce davis and that was uh uh you know that was uh, a lot of fun but willard number number two Nice. Yeah. Uh, another honorable mention. I've got one left and I'm, <laughs> I'm holding out hope. Uh, I, I, I feel like this one won't be mentioned, but um, I, I've got okay. one left. All right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really like this one. Uh, I, I mean, again, he, you know, you, you have a great deal of sympathy for Willard. Uh, you know, the, the relationship between him and the rat is fantastic. I love where it goes. I feel this may be a little sacrilege. I like the remake a little more. So that kind of sours my interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's not by a great deal. I'm not saying that it's you know like an obvious one, but it's one where I, I do like the remake just a little bit more. So that kind of uh, affects me a little bit when I'm breaking them for like this, where I think you know, oh, I like the you know the other one more, but um, 
Right. Yeah, it's still worthwhile. I still really like you know a lot of what it does, and yeah, the the rat attacks are fantastic. I I actually do think that this one does that better than the original, but um, you know sure. to. To go into it would be, you know, right. foolhardy comparing the two. But um, sure, sure, yeah. sure. So uh, let's let's uh, let's take care of the suspense for number one. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. This one was kind of obvious. Um, I, again, it's just uh, I, I I could go in numerous ways and talk about why this is number one, but it's just uh, you know four simple letters, one syllable, Jaws. Okay. Um, yeah. The the. It, to me, like I said, this was just the easiest one to, you know, stick at number one. And I, I mean, I can, you know, quote its legacy. I can talk about the film itself. I can quote it. I can, uh, you know, I can mention any number of films that this ripped off that ripped off from this one, and you know, took it, took the formula, took the characters, took the, you know, the setup and uh, everything, and just you know, copied it verbatim, and you know, left this one as yeah as one of the the main ten poles of the genre but uh it, it, to me it just it, it speaks for itself so yeah it was kind of obvious for me to uh, put it number one well i'm going to tell you that um as i i do you know uh as you know i do a fair amount of writing and um one of the things that i've written about quite a bit uh for the magazines i've written for we belong dead and and uh, so forth is uh, basically on the subject of not only the animals of muck, but also on the subject of two films in the 1970s that caused a wave of copycat. Um, one was Star Wars, uh, and you saw it, every, it seemed like every country that had a film industry in different nations all wanted a copy of it because the success was just so tremendous. The other one was Jaws. And that Jaws directly led to, you know, to films like uh, Tentacles. Um, Piranha owes a great deal to Jaws. Great White, which was actually a sued, uh, you know, Jaws ripoff uh, and, and so forth. So there was a lot of Italian, uh, uh, you know, uh, Japanese, other countries were piling on to uh, uh, to uh, to uh, to copy what try to copy what Steven Spielberg and George Lucas just did so well, and they couldn't. They uh, they you know they couldn't um, for the you know for you know rarity of rarities. You and I match. Number one for me is Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it it is. Uh, it's the prototypical blockbuster. It's the, um, there isn't anything that doesn't work and work masterfully in this uh, film from the setup to, uh, you know, to uh, the kill shots, to the characters, to the dialogue, uh, you know, to seriously paying tribute to Peter Benchley's uh, script or novel. Uh, Everybody, like you said, everybody knows you know the the tropes everybody knows the quote lines and uh and so forth uh we're gonna need a bigger boat or smile you son of a you know uh uh it's just everything works everything works uh on this and it actually changed a film industry yeah 
they I, really, I, I really mean, like did. I said, I mean, I, I can go in any number of ways sure. and speak about why this is number one, but I mean, there's like nothing else to be said. Uh, I mean, just the four, sure. the four letters and <laughs> speak for themselves. Uh, now we can we can go into you know a whole different conversation about why Jaws: The Revenge is so bad. But that's... Yeah, that's a conversation for for another time. Uh, much Ooh. like our, Ooh. yeah, that's that's a show in its in and of itself. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, most definitely. So yeah. Jaws number number one, number one uh, for both. But, I kind um, of I kind of thought that's where we were going to. Uh, uh, we were going to go, although we we both have uh, ones that we really uh, somewhere in the top ten we really we really liked and we kind of matched Kingdom of the Spiders. Yeah, that's the one I champion to people that uh, uh, you know that to, to go see and have a have fun seeing it, have fun getting scared. Exactly, yeah, that it's that a one. Lot of fun. That to me, that's one of the more underrated and doesn't get as much uh, much highlight as it really deserves. Because yeah, that one is a lot better than you think it is. So I think it's one too where you forget that he's Captain. Kirk. What's Captain Kirk? Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, when you see a lot of films that he's in, you kind of think that's Captain Kirk in another suit. But this yeah. one here, he actually plays. He he's like not the nicest of guy uh, of guys. He's actually really. Uh, flirty with uh, the Tiffany Bowling character, uh, you know he has uh, his his girlfriend early in the film. He's he's not like he is kind of like this randy dude who all of a sudden has to become a hero. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not necessarily one where you really see a lot of uh, those influences in him. It actually looks like he's delivering right. a genuine performance, and he feels like a genuine human being. So he looks he looks relaxed. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know he doesn't. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't look like there's a, a stick up his ass. So, <laughs> uh, for uh, <laughs> to go for the uh, the more explicit no. uh, expression, but um, no, there's a cream for that. You know that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, if uh, anything is to uh, come from this conversation, uh, yeah. I would sincerely hope that uh, that that film is. Uh, is put on your radar and is moved up your watch list um at the very least um i sure. i mean you know we've discussed a great number of films um like i said i was i am legitimately surprised that there was uh as much crossover because i was expecting a few more um maybe not exact ties but like my seven is your six or like sure. your eight is my five or something like that where sure. we're slightly sure. off but I, mean, I also it, it, think it did it, happen, but yeah, I was expecting a little bit more. So I'm um, I'm kind of glad that we were able to uh, dive a little bit further into the genre. Well, I think it also speaks to the absolute wide variety of good or and or just fun animals among horror films in the uh, in the seventies. Uh, there were a lot. I think our our differences, our uh, different choices, kind of speaks to the fact that there aren't just ten. Uh, you know, really good ones. There are twenty or twenty-five, and right, uh, yeah. and so forth. So you know, yeah, I would, I, I love to spend time watching Piranha, as you, uh, uh, as you uh, mentioned, and watching some of the other ones that you, uh, you know, that you mentioned as well, um, versus. Uh, you know the prophecy. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching you know, that one. Just didn't quite make my top ten, but 
um, and like you said, there were some honorable mentions that I had in my list that you thought uh, yeah. were honorable mention. And yeah. it just speaks to the large number of, uh, of films. There's a whole, it's almost an actual genre in itself and not really a subgenre. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, speaking but, of, uh, my, my lone honorable mention left yeah. is uh, Mako, Jaws of Death. So... Um, I had some tough thing. I I was thinking about some of my you know, honorable mentions. I I probably um, uh, I I have a lot of fun with Empire of the Ants, uh, if mostly for the uh, the florid acting of Joan Collins and um, and Robert Lansing's perpetual stone face, uh, <laughs> but. Um, that would be in a completely camp variety as far as uh, 70s or um, phase four is one that goes uh, uh, into it, which is actually a rather intelligent uh, take on empath ants and, uh, uh, and uh, so forth. But that gets really uh, rather creepy in its low key way. Uh, so there is a couple of honorable mentions, uh, you know, for me regarding that. Nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, there was a couple of others that I had, but they were discussed throughout the course of the show. So, sure, sure. yeah, uh, like I said, the only other one that I had left was, uh, you know, Mako. But uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I said, this uh, this was uh, as much fun as I thought it would be. So, oh, thank you. I had fun. I had fun yeah. do, you know, doing it. And uh, uh, if if I may give a uh, can I give a hit out to uh, my uh, uh, well, the Desperate Film Fest. Northern California, which puts on our Grim and Bloody podcast, uh, has an actual film fest, October 23rd, Red Bluff, California. I'll be there and anybody and, and, and Don, if you ever, you know, made it to Red Bluff, California, I would love to buy you pizza and beer. And we sit down and talk about all these, all these seventies, uh, you know, animals of muck. Or we can talk NRA and Charlton Heston, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, either or, I would be down for if uh, my schedule were to ever allow that to happen. Um, it, it's, yeah. it's, it'll be on my bucket list for sure. No, so, it's, um, it's, it's a yeah, lot of it fun. Sounds like, yeah, like I said, it sounds like it would be a lot of fun, and I would be definitely up for that if, uh, like I said, my schedule allows. So uh, one of these days, I'll make it happen. Yeah, your schedule is like mine. Uh, it could be pretty crazy. Anyway, thank you, Don. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so before you leave, is there anything else that you want to uh, shout out and let everybody know where they can uh, find you online? Oh, well, they can find me at uh, usually uh, in in print. They can find me on We Belong Dead at We Belong Dead uh, your magazine. We just had uh, we have issue number 34 that's due to come out where oddly enough, I talk a little bit or I write a little bit about the 1970s it's about hollywood's fascination over its history with the tentacled creature uh and i get to talk i get to do uh i get to write about uh you know films that uh what 20,000 leagues um that happened in 1916 uh, 1929 on up to Cecil B. DeMille's Reap the Wild Wind to John Wayne's Wake of the Red Witch and on into the 70s where we talk about tentacles and so forth. That's a lot of uh, a lot of fun. So that is issue 34 is coming. 
I think it just started being available now. You can go to webelongdead.ca.uk. Uh, sorry, webelongdead.co.uk. And uh, then I also write for Scary Monsters. Uh, give a shout out for uh, uh, for that. Uh, don't know what's coming up next with uh, uh, with them, but I had a recent last issue. I had a fun uh, interview with Joe Bob Briggs. And uh, for those who might want to uh, come up to or in the Sacramento area, come up to the uh, Colonial Theater. I'll be there checking out Joe Bob Briggs uh, coming up, and I can get you the date uh, at the Colonial Theater. He is bringing his uh, show about how rednecks saved Hollywood. Nice. And, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, was going to say, I, I didn't know that that tour was still ongoing. I thought he'd wrap that up last year. No, it's actually coming on. Uh, here we go. Uh, it's an evening with Joe Bob Briggs. It's going to be at uh, the Colonial Theater. And uh, let's see here. And it is coming up. Um, oh gosh check it's coming up uh in sacramento at the colonial theater coming up i think at the end of this month or in march and i'll be there uh hoping to uh get a few more words with mr uh, mr briggs who is uh just one of the best we nice. had such fun we had such fun doing the interview it was a lot of uh it was uh it was a lot of fun anyway that's about it cool all right well i will have everything linked down below in the show notes for you, you to check out as well as our uh last episode which uh like i said was a lot of fun uh so you can Thank find you. everything uh down below in the show to uh check out and follow so uh, make sure you do that and in the meantime, thank you for listening, and we will be back with a new episode. So until then, see you then. Thank you.